Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with Pat Nemmers. That's me. <laughs> and Jason Jackson. Yeah, hi. Back from sabbatical. Oh my goodness, that's right. Yeah, I forgot Jason, about that. And you know, Jason, <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about chemistry and different things today. You know, you're... We've had a chemistry, Abe and I, over the years of these podcasts. You're jumping in here now. Is this going to enhance the chemistry or is it going to spoil it? What's I don't this know. Be? This could be the last time I'm ever invited to, to be a part of this, although yeah, I have well, no idea what we're doing. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah. I'll be the judge. Of it. We're, <laughs> we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you've joined us today and we can have a discussion about the message. And Tethered to the Truth was the message on, uh, on Sunday. Why don't you give us a little bit of a... Kind of an overview of the of the message, and then we'll jump into it. Well, first of all, I you should also identify Jason Jackson as our pastor of discipleship. You know, so he he leads all of those areas of discipleship, which includes our community groups. We have many many community groups, and uh, we're grateful. All jokes aside, for what you're doing amongst them, mm. Abe. Of course, you being the administrative slash executive guy around here, so. To your question, it was uh, tethered to the truth, and it's been a metaphor that I have used for the last several years. You guys are probably tired of it, but uh, it is something that I, I, I it, it's a passion of mine that everything we believe, everything we do, our whole philosophy of life, everything should be tied to the Word of God. And, um, and when I see... Uh, the landscape over the past generation of evangelicals compromising on that. It's very, very troubling to me. And I don't say that proudly. I, I say that with, uh, you know, my own personal fear and trepidation. I don't, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall prey to untethering myself from the truth of God. So that was really the thing driving this, it being the last of the messages in the theology on fire uh, series. Yeah. Jason, you've been, in ministry uh, over 20 years mm-hmm. uh, out east and then here uh, at Sailorville. How have you, you know, just talking about that being tethered to the truth and churches, I mean, you've been around it a lot. You've seen it a lot. How has that, how has that changed? How is it changing? What are the, maybe some of the issues that we need to be aware of, you know, as we're kind of moving through this and even this, this message? Yeah, it's a great question. I When we, Talked even last week about this message, Pastor. We um, thought about it in two different ways, right? You can either approach every single issue that you might face and say, here's how to deal with this cultural issue. And then next week, come back and we'll tell you how to deal with this cultural issue. And here's what the Bible says about this thing. And you can do that. And in some ways, we should be able to do that, right? Pick out some of these big things that people are facing or that culture is going through or that, you know, some of the lies that we're, that we're hearing right now. Or you can say, no matter what issues there are, no matter what era, generation you're from, no matter where you live, no matter what's going on around you, here's how, um, here's how to answer that thing in the right way. And the right way is to be tethered to Scripture, tethered to the truth. And so I think what we were hoping would come from this message, and I, I believe it really did, was instead of trying to think through, oh my goodness, there's a billion different issues that Christians face right now, how do we think through each of these differently? to say, no matter what issue you're facing, here's the starting point. It's the truth. What does the truth say? What does the Bible say? What does Jesus want us to do here? So um, there's 
so many issues that come down through the years in you know life and culture and ministry like we do. But I think instead of facing each one of those and saying, well, what is what exactly should I do special with this yeah. thing? What if we just said, here's the foundational elements of every issue we're going to face? Yeah, you know, I was just as you're saying, I was thinking about what Jesus said in Matthew 24: Heaven and earth will pass yeah. away, but my words will not pass away. Yeah. And uh, I think you know. We, we realize that God's word is eternal, but sometimes we treat it like it's archaic. Mm. I mean, really, could God have really seen this flood of changes taking place in our culture? I mean, I'd say mm. th- that's like the dumbest question that was ever asked. Of course he did. And the principles of scripture will address those. Maybe not all the nuances, but certainly the general aspects of them. And I think scripture does for sure. Yeah, and you had sent something out the other day about John Piper and 50 years of ministry, and he had talked about being essentially tethered to truth. But, I mean, you've been you've been in ministry... 40, 40. almost. Uh, not quite, 38. Yeah, so, I mean, like, even even back then, there, those, there were issues back then yeah. that, you know, you guys were dealing with in the church that are probably not issues today, maybe, or that are something else, right? So it's changing generationally. It's changing, but it doesn't... There's always going to be issues. Always going to be issues, and there'll be new issues. And I, I appreciate what Jason just said. The, you know, we could we could address it each one, and we've done that. We've done series. We've done other series during the summer right. time issues and inspiration just a couple of years ago, and we dealt with a lot of those yeah. issues like the LGBTQ situation, uh, social justice. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we dealt with. So we it, we're not running away from right, those right, things. Right. But you know the purpose of this message, as we you know sort of cinched it up, was let's let's be people that we have claimed to be historically people of the book, and and really, you know, actually be so, which includes things like you know basic time in God's word, studying, reading, meditating, memorizing, mm-hmm. obeying, and then sound doctrine, which you know undergirds so much of what we believe and keeps us. Keeps us tethered when things are going, you know, flying off the handle. So most of the people listening to this are, you know, believers or Christians who are, they don't work at a church. They're in, they're in the workplace. They're in real life. They're interacting with all sorts of these issues, right? All the time at work, in the office, at school, whatever it may be. So when, when we say be tethered to the truth, I was thinking about this during the message, you know, how do I... How do I be tethered to the truth, but yet I'm also trying to like fit in relationally with my coworkers or my classmates or whatever? How do I how do I stand for truth and yet not be the weirdo in the room that like how how do you navigate that? Help help people just kind of think through that and how do I respond? Both of you are former uh, youth pastors. I think we should pass it off to Jason. You, you're the more recent youth uh, guy, <laughs> and you still work with our youth. I'm guys. much younger than Abe. <laughs> yes, you much are younger, much like, much yeah, younger. I'm closer to youth group age myself. How would you answer that? <laughs> well, I, that is a very practical question. It's a question that every youth pastor, every every parent probably is asked. Every Christian parent, as they try to help their kids, you know, grow in godliness and take a stand. So. I, I get the way you you asked it. How do I, how do I stand for truth and not be the weirdo? I would just say you, you're going to be the weirdo. So just be the weirdo. It's better to be the weirdo standing on truth than to be just like everybody else and not stand for anything. So I think it's okay to be weird. And I know nobody wants to be weird, right? But 
if we're using that term as if you're going to stand for the truth, then you're going to stand out. Well, I would say absolutely. I mean, you look at people that have made a difference in the world over generations, from times in Scripture that we read about to people in our own lives, they stood for something. And because they stood for something, they made a difference. Um, most people that just go with the flow don't don't really make a difference. So I would just encourage teenagers or kids or whoever is listening to this to be okay with being weird. Not in a weird way. <laughs> but yeah, in- thanks for uh, thanks for uh, correcting that just a little bit because uh, I could that could go over. I, I know what you meant to other people. Well, if standing for the truth is being weird, then it's okay to be weird. Yeah, if that's the definition, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And again, we don't want to untether our kids, right. you know. So when we teach them the truth, we expect them to go into the world with the truth. I, I don't mean preaching the gospel wherever they go. I mean, if God provides the opportunity, so be it. But uh, just be cognizant. When you're tethered to the truth, then you're tethered to the fear of the Lord, which, of course, is this business of, being constantly aware of his presence in your life. And so if I'm a student in school and I go in the fear of the Lord because I am tethered to the truth, then I'm not going to be tempted to be drawn into, or at least I may be tempted, but I'm not going to cave in to drawing into uh, just the stuff that kids have to, have to, you know, manage on a daily basis. Uh, You know, the filthy stories, the, the bad thinking we have we have students who have come to us in recent years who have uh, taken their stand not even in a strong way toward uh, you know God's view of of uh, gender and have been uh, you know they've been blacklisted they've been spoken against they've been harshly spoken at by other students just in recent years. But that's where the church has to come along, the family first, and then the church comes along and encourages them for staying tethered to the truth. That's what, that's what we have to do. So we have to encourage our young people. I know you know we really need to encourage our young people to stand for the truth and put the band-aids and, uh, and you know you know help them with their wounds when they come home because they are wounded half the time. So there's a way to do that, though. There's there's a way to stand for the truth without being a jerk. It you know it's speaking the truth in love. So it's the it's this combination of truth and love that I think are so important. Truth without love is maybe hypocrisy, right? I'm just I'm just spitting out the truth, but I don't care about anybody around me. And maybe love without truth is is more compromised. So I think. I think a healthy combination of those two things, whether you're a college student working with your roommate or a high school student that has a teacher that is teaching something to the class that Scripture does not teach, or whether you're a kid with your parents or you know wherever you are in a workplace or whatever, truth and love are really important. People respond to that. And we talked about that in the message, if you'll recall, uh, that you know we don't weaponize the truth. That's it's right. just it's really dangerous to do. It's not just dangerous, but it just put gives Christianity a black eye. We we if we say that we love people no matter who they are and no matter what they believe, we better act like it. Actually, as you were saying that I thought of it was actually a JD Greer quote that came to my mind where he said, Grace without truth is sentimentalism. Huh. And truth without grace is fundamentalism. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. rough. You said it better than I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great line. And, uh, and I think we all understand it. We hear that. Yeah. Cause we have to have grace or in this case, love in order to, but stand for the truth, yeah. which is going to cause some friction if we're tethered to the truth of God. Explain that a little bit, the weaponizing the truth, just so people understand what you mean by that. Uh, just, you know, knowing the Bible or knowing a passage, like some of the ones that I shared on Sunday, you don't just quote those and say, you know, you know, this is what God thinks of, of, uh, of uh, homosexuals. And, and uh, well, you know, I, what does God think of homosexuals? He thinks of them the same way he thinks of me. He loves them. He sent his son to die for them. And uh, so rather than taking a, a truth and speaking it in an angry way, uh, let's stand for the truth and look for a more appealing way to apply that truth. I gave the illustration, if you'll recall, it was a new Christian. So if you're talking to an unbeliever, you're going to have to really, you're walking into a minefield there. But uh, if you'll recall, I, I told the story of the brand new, I mean, he was brand spanking new, that Christian that came into our community group. And he had a, you know, he just couldn't understand why one guy was saying, was just, and the one guy had no grace in his talk. He just was yeah. speaking very harshly against the pro-choice movement. And he just very quietly goes, what do you guys have against the woman's right, you know, you know, to, to, choose. Uh, to choose. And at, again, you could, you, I, it was so, I remember thinking, I remember in my heart, I thought, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be so good. You know, yeah. cause, cause there was, I mean, you could see the guy who was kind of weaponizing the truth. Suddenly he, his whole countenance changed. It was like, he realized now I have to, I have to, I have to deal with this. He did deal with it in the end. He was gracious in the end. But I think we have to be careful about, you know, taking our stand and what we believe. We need to take our stand, but we don't have to be graceless yeah. in the process. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you watch Jesus in the New Testament, and I think, obviously, he's the perfect example of this. He didn't ever shy away from speaking the truth, but, oh, my goodness, people knew that he loved them, right? So they, they, they loved him. They respected that. They followed him. They obeyed. Yeah, the, the, one, the, one the, he, the ones he was most harsh with were the ones who should have known the truth. That's right. Those That's are the right. ones he's turning the tables over and flipping chairs on. Yeah. Yeah, it's the guy that weaponizes the truth is the street preacher that just yells into the bullhorn and stuff, and nobody has a relationship with him, and he's just he comes across as very judgmental. And we probably need people to do things like that, but uh, it's it's different. That person's different than the guy in the small group, like right. you just talked about, that right. says, hey, I, I'm going to say the same thing, but I'm going to say it in the context of relationship, love. So it's truth and love. That's a little bit of a rabbit trail from, you know, being weird when you stand up yeah. for the truth. But no, that's good. I think there's a way to do it well. So one of one of the things was dedicating yourself to sound sound doctrine and you made a statement of, you know, everyone everyone's real theology is revealed in the ups and downs of life. It's what you really believe. So you know, you talk about being hearers of the word, being doers of the word, not just hearers, right? You know, so it's um that that whole idea of we we can we can know scripture we can study scripture but then it actually hits real life and that's a it's a great statement because really that's when everyone's like I gotta I gotta really like live out what I've been telling people you know like I've I've been telling people this but now I have to live it out so mm -hmm. how how have you guys seen that in your own life and as you've worked with people in ministry um, yeah let's just talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. 
uh, well, I'm the one who said it, and I do believe what I said is true, and it is based on, sadly, I've seen some, I've seen both the ups in life and the downs in life reveal the real theology of people in a sad way, where they walked away from the truth because they, you know, they had this Pollyanna view of God and the Christian life. And if I do everything right, you guys, for another metaphor, you've heard me talk about, you know, the cake box theory, which basically is cake box Christianity is if I, you know, follow the recipe on the back of the cake box, I'm going to have a, put the, you know, put it in at 350. I'm going to have a good cake every time. And then suddenly every once in a while, the cake doesn't come out so good. And that's the way some things happen with kids and, and, uh, with, um, our lives when things don't go right for us. I, I'm not going to mention any, any particular individuals, but I've seen people all but cash it in because it didn't go their way. Mm -hmm. one, one thing I will say, uh, I had, I had nothing but positive illustrations about this on Sunday, if you'll recall, like the young man that had the terrible uh, mm -hmm. head injury yep. and like the couple in our church that had visited that have had kids that have made really, really poor decisions. Um, and another one, we had a guy in our church, you guys are aware of it. He's about, he's actually a little older than I am. And he's in tremendous physical condition. I mean, you've, you've met him. He's just, he's just a good looking guy. He keeps himself in shape. He's a big bike rider. And, and, uh, you know, he was just on, he was on a bike ride and, uh, his heart, he started feeling pain in his heart. And anyway, long story short, he ended up at the clinic and they rushed him to the hospital he had a, had a, he had had a heart attack. He had three stints put in, and his wife said to me, "Well, it pretty much destroyed his uh, his illusion to perfect health." And you know, when I visited him in the hospital, uh, you know, he he was pretty sobered by it. He wasn't. He was humbled by it. He was humbled in a good way. It, he wasn't. Uh, you know, he wasn't rebuked. Maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll testify another time. But I was actually very encouraged by the way he responded. And uh, uh, and again, these types of things in life will reveal, you know, where our walk with God is. It just it just does. It does every time. And not just the good things or the bad things. The good things too. I see. You've seen it. I've seen people they mm. become very accomplished in what they do, and and it's like. It's not like they reject Christ, but it's almost like he just becomes marginalized in their life because, after all, they've got so many accomplishments they need to continue to pursue, you know, aspirations mm -hmm. and whatnot. I think it's that daily grind of of digging into Scripture that really builds that foundation of theology, right? It's which famous boxer said everybody has a plan to get punched in the face? You know, was it Tyson or Holyfield or somebody, right? Everybody's yeah. got, you get into the ring, you got, you got a plan until you get punched in the face. Well, everybody's got a great theology until they go through a real life trial. You know, oh my goodness. I, yeah, God is sovereign. He's going to take care of me. You know, he wants me to be generous. And then, then I lose my job the next week. Is God still sovereign? Well, watch my life and see if I believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Watch, watch how I continue to give generously um, after I lose my job. You know, watch the way I treat my wife when, you know, we go through a struggle or whatever. Everybody's got a theology until they go through a trial, and then your real theology shows up. And if you're not, if you're not building that foundation outside of those emergencies, outside of those trials, then when those things come, it's too late in a sense. It's never too late, right? But it, you know, now you're in panic mode. Now you're in response and reaction mode, and you have nothing 
you have nothing to to build those reactions off of if you haven't been taking time in God's word on the regular. Yeah, that's good. You know, I just was thinking, my wife and I, here's a confession. We watched a movie the other day. It didn't get great ratings. So if it doesn't get great ratings, it shows up in Netflix like three weeks later. You know that? <laughs> so, uh, and so it was, it's a big George Foreman. And oh, it's yeah. just, have you seen it? No. Okay. Uh, so we watched it. And my wife said, is this going to be one of those punchy, punchy movies? I ain't watching it if they're going to get all punched up. Well, it really wasn't. It, and I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not embracing everything about George Foreman. I want our audience <laughs> to know that right here. We're but sponsored actually, by George Foreman. I actually <laughs> really enjoyed the movie. So we all know that he, you know, he had the Foreman girl and all that stuff. But you know, he had a really, really rough life. He's famous for uh, having uh, knocked out Joe Frazier. He became famous. Then he just as famously was knocked out by Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. And you guys notice I put this in the book. But I think it's a great lesson. And this wasn't in the movie, but you know. This guy became incredibly, after being very poor, incredibly rose to the top of the boxing world, then went down, you know, literally went down, and then became famous again. He became another world champion boxer, and he gave us the George Foreman grill. So he's got money, you know, he just became crazy rich all over again. But every time he'd open his laptop, it would... The screensaver on his laptop was him laying on the canvas mm -hmm. with Muhammad Ali hovering over him. And somebody yeah. said, why would you put that in there? He's, he could put dozens of pictures of having flattened somebody else himself. He, and his simple response was, it keeps me humble. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, Abe, <clears throat> I hadn't thought about this before, but what if... Uh, what if as we're reading the Bible or as we're listening to a you know a, a biblical message, we start to write down things that we're learning about God? Here's here's what's true about God because of this passage, right? So you have a you have a list of here's what's true about God from this then here's what's true about me. And here's what's true about others. Whatever, you know, you make up categories. God, me, others. And then you continue to build that list or those those pages. And then the next time you're really going through something hard. You flip back to those pages, and if those things are true back then, then they're still true today in the middle of that trial. I I should probably do that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I need to be able to rely on it. But if I don't have those pages before, if I'm not in the Bible before, then what do I have to rely on when I'm going through that trial? Those things are still true today that were true a month ago before this trial. Yeah, yeah good point. Which, which is that, let's talk about that a little bit, because you often hear people say, like, preach truth to yourself, preach yeah, the yeah. gospel to yourself. Are you speaking truth? Like, who's speaking truth to you? What, what does that look like in real life? Like, what do we mean by that? What are those, whoever says that to somebody, what does that actually mean? Because that, that gets thrown around quite a bit. Yeah, well, I, I think of music uh, I'm not a big mm. music guy. I mean, I 38 like special. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, come on, I got <laughs> sing it for us. <laughs> no, I'd rather oh, not. Okay. I can do it though. I could, I could, but just remember, hold on loosely, but don't let go. Hey, Amen. <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> I'm a '70s guy. What can I say? Uh, so anyway, um, but as you know, when you get a song or you hear a song, you, it, it's hard to get it out of your head, and sometimes. It's very annoying, especially a song. It's like, have you ever had a song that was so annoying you just had to turn another song on to be able to get that one out of your head? And, uh, but I think truth is a little bit like that. That's yeah. why uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't have the same uh, memory impact, and I'm, I don't understand all this psychosomatics and this and that, but truth is 
when you put truth in you on a regular basis, you will think the truth eventually. It's going to start coming out of your mind. You're, you're going to think that way. By, by putting truth in you all the, all the time, memorizing, yes, is a great thing. I think I'm a huge proponent of scripture memorization. But even if you don't memorize that much, putting truth in you regularly, reading, studying, meditating about truth, it's going to be like music in your head, I think. Uh, and that is going to be a helpful preventative towards sin and um, glorifying the Lord in your life. That That's a real deal. I mean, it's, it's, music is huge with that, but it's not just with music. I mean, we are, so, so every time we begin to believe something, we're creating these, I was learning about this over sabbatical, right? So I'm, you know, these neuro pathways, right? So we're, we say, we believe this thing, we say it to ourselves, and every time you say that to yourself, or every time you hear that, it's like we're we're uh, walking a path, and you walk it the first time, and it doesn't look like it's anything, right? It just looks like a field or whatever. You walk it again, now you can start to see the footprints. You walk that same path a thousand times, now there's a now there's a rut there, and so what happens is we start to believe these things that aren't true. Because culture is telling them, or our family's yeah. telling us, or you know, we're reading it online, or whatever. And and even if we don't believe it's true, we start to believe it because that's just what's natural in our mind. It's it's what you're talking about. So how do you get rid of that? How do you replace that? Well, you have to create another pathway, one that is the truth. And the more you tell yourself the truth, and the more you read the truth, and the more you're in scripture, or the more you're around people yeah. that are going to speak truth into yeah. you, which is what you're saying, the more that new pathway will become the rut, and the old one will be overgrown, and you won't be able to tell it's there anymore. So you've got to continue to be around people, first of all, with God's word, and then people that are going to tell you the truth. Because everything about culture, the flesh, and, and the devil is going to try to f- cause ruts that are lies. So now we know what you did on your sabbatical. You studied <laughs> neural pathways. Is that what I heard you say? And what, what I did in a little the bit. world, dude? <laughs> now, because because in my life, so this is real talk, right? In my life, I've 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 discovered that I've believed some lies. Yeah. I don't actually believe them, but the way that I act, you'd think I did believe them. And I've said them to myself, or I've heard other people tell yeah. me them so many times that I just walk that way naturally. And so what I've got to do is exactly what you said. You have to replace those lies or those incorrect statements with the truth yeah and the truth will set you free you you've got to build you've got to walk those new paths to create new ruts so that so that's jason that's one thing so if you're on the wrong path that's what you have to do but so just to to give the preventative david said in psalm 119 in verse 104 through your precepts i get understanding Therefore, I hate every false way, every false rut. Yep. They're yep. all, I mean, yep. so you get the truth, yep. you understand what's false, yep. and then you go, you flip it to the New Testament, and Paul says in 2 Timothy or 2 Corinthians 10, you know, take every thought captive. The only way you're going to do that is if you've, you know, you've developed that yeah. truth rut that you just referred to. I thought to. you were going to say 2 Timothy 3.16, which is, you know, that's all about truth, right? If you don't know the truth, you won't know how to do what's right. You won't know how to stay away from what's wrong. You won't know how to continue to go on the right path. And, you know, that's what Paul is telling Timothy. It's I was going to go word. there, but you cut me off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> but it would be the same thing with, with, community would be the same thing right like you're you're in community with other believers and you're you're believing a lie you're going down the wrong yep. path and somebody comes in and says where are you getting that from where who told you that yep. where did you get that who 
where did you read that or whatever, you know, like, yeah. is that coming from the Lord? Is that coming from the word or is that, that's just something in your own mind. Yeah. So, so I think just Christian community is another, another part of that, that helps somebody say, I, that's not, I think you're, you're believing a lie right now. Yeah. Right? It's more like counseling on some level. That is counseling too. Yep. Yep. That's good. Well, that's good, Abe. Um, so, so the last part there was just the you, loosening your grip on things that matter. That was that was something that you brought up towards the end of the the message. Um, you know, what are you, you asked the question? What are you holding on to too tightly? Um, Did you how you, what did you put in the blank? If, right. I I put my like my job. I think my identity and like what I do, who I am. Well, you're the you're the guy you're the admin guy on staff at Sailorville, and wow, you did a building, and wow, stuff's going great at church, and that's not it's not you who can't I, do that because that's what I put in my blank. You can't do that. That's yeah. not who I am. I mean, that's you know that's like what I do for a job, but yeah. it's not who I am. So, yeah, I was going to ask you guys what what did you guys put in the blank? Well, you just took mine away. Oh, from okay. Me. Yeah, but I have more. Of, I had more of a right to do it because I'm a lot. Older You're a lot better. You no older. <laughs> oh, not he better. does a lot more around here than you do. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> better. Yeah. I'm not better. I've just been doing this a little bit longer, and 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 in in one week's time, this is true. I had somebody in my office a week ago Sunday, older gentleman with his wife, probably seventy ish, and he had a very prominent job for many years. And he just retired a year ago, and he is. His wife had him come in because he, he's not even a Christian, so that's the biggest thing. He needs to become a Christian yet, mm. but he's just he doesn't he's just floundering. He doesn't know what to do because his entire identity was wrapped up in his occupation, his entire identity. And then just the other day, somebody called me from the Engage Network. I won't say who or what from what church. And they wanted to know if they could meet with our counseling team. That is, that is, if their parents could, and then describe the exact same thing as I just told mm-hmm. you it happened in my office. So that's uh, that's a really big deal, and um, that's something I probably hold on to too tightly. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a hard time nailing it down to just a couple. Honestly, what do I hold on to tightly? What? And you might be better to ask the opposite. What am, <laughs> what am I? What am I actually opening my hands over? Because I I feel like I could say pretty much everything at times. Yeah, I've heard somebody say, you know, what would wreck you if you lost it? Yeah, that that's probably a good indication of man, you're holding this too tightly. If it would wreck you, like you haven't given that to the Lord because it's just so important to you. So if you lose your job. Like, am I going to be okay, right? If I lose a spouse, which pastor you have, you know, am I going to be okay? Um, kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and those are hard conversations, but I think it's also a good, mm-hmm. it's a good measuring tool for all of us to ask some of those questions at times. I, I, I think, Abe it's in, and Jason, it's important that we don't uh, minimize those things that are going on the line that I, you know, in the challenge, what, what, what you filled the blank, what you filled in that blank. Let's not minimize their importance. If somebody has their spouse in mind or their children in mind, if someone has even their job, I mean, these are important things. They're not bad things. Uh, but you know, when we meet, when what's the old line, we make good things. Uh, what's the, I can't think it was, it was a Tim Keller line. We make 
good things the only things, then yeah, then, become God things. Then, <laughs> yeah, then it's a God thing, and yeah. that's not God it's with a idol. capital G. It's an idol, and uh, so we do have to, you know, and every you know all around. Think about is all of us have somebody around us that has lost one of those things, and we've watched them respond, and we've been impressed by the people, the women of God and the men of God who have responded in a godly fashion. And I do think, I'm just going to throw this in there too. If you're, if you're out there thinking, oh man, I'd be wrecked if I lost my, my, my little girl or I'd be wrecked if I lost my wife. Um, yeah, it'd be tough no matter what. But sure. it, Peter tells us that there's grace that comes at those times that you don't have right now. And I would encourage our Christian audience out there, don't don't sit there and live in fear because you're going to meet some disappointment. You're going to meet some serious, serious loss sometime in your life. But God doesn't step off his throne during those times. He just dispenses grace during those times. And you'll be fine. Mm. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's really good. So I'm... Let's finish with this. I'm sure there's people listening to this that are like, wow, it's easy for you guys to say that. That's what you guys do. You study the Bible. You're around this all the time. Like, of course, you're speaking truth. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't know. I feel like I'm all over the place. I'm <laughs> I'm getting bombarded with this. I'm getting bombarded with this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. What's their What's their next step? What do they do? How do they do that? How do they get to a point where, like you said, it's, it's coming out of them. It's just, it's a natural response instead of like, oh my goodness, I haven't thought about the Bible in the last four days through this whole thing, or I haven't, I haven't thought about God in three days, you know? What advice would you give? What encouragement? I think I would say, like, don't freak out about not reading your Bible an hour a day or, or whatever. Just start small. Start start with the next right thing. We, we say obedience is seeing little is big. So if you're not doing anything with the truth, then start small, right? Get in, get in the Bible. If you're a believer, then you got to get into the Bible and start very simply. Start reading through one of the Gospels. Start reading a Psalm or a Proverb a day. Uh, talk to somebody about it. I think there's the accountability, the community mm-hmm. aspect, right? Um, we we have community groups that help us with those types of things. Discipleship ideas that we um, that we help people with, and and don't be discouraged about it. Uh, I think the idea of actually writing things down that you're learning is really important. It helps you go back and say, wow, this thing is still true that was that I said was true a month ago. Yeah. Um, work with people on that and share that with other people and see if you're wrong on some of that stuff. And then replace, identify the lies that you're believing, which is basically everything is not true, and begin to replace those lies with biblical truth. I mean, there's passages that are going to go right along with those lies <laughs> that will replace those lies. Mm. This Sunday, we're giving you know our Bible study journals out for the fall. It's a very, very simple way to uh, get into God's Word and to write down what He's teaching you and to bounce that off other people that you interact with. So I, I just think people get discouraged because they don't have like a you know seminary degree or they can't write a commentary or anything. Just start small. Start yeah. where you're at and take a tiny little step forward. That's good. That's a good word to end up. I, I, I think there's. I just when you were saying that, Jason, that's a childhood uh, ditty came to my mind. Uh, 
I don't even know who said it, but uh, little by little, inch by inch, by the yard it's hard, by the uh, by the inch it's a cinch. Uh, yeah. And so just just do that. Just you got to start somewhere. Start with the truth and stay tethered. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your insight and your thoughts. It's always encouraging to hang out and talk and walk in truth. Praise the Lord. <laughs>